This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do you need to get off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, develop positive coping skills, and much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramdas. After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nick Turn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, this is Raghu Marcus for Ramdas here and now. Today's shoe is going to be an introduction to a course that is going to be live today that I really wanted to share with everybody what this is. It's been a large part of uh, what a few of us have been doing for the last uh, 10 months. And it is a course, an online course, and uh, it's entitled Being Here Now, an online odyssey into the essential teachings of Ramdas. And aside from all the hullabaloo, shall we say, and, and as you know, I've been working on this stuff for a long time and, and of course, followed Ramdas off back to India back in the day after he went back the second time. And uh, so I am very familiar with uh, his talks. And, uh, of course, no way I could be familiar with all of them because they're uh, something like almost five decades uh, that were uh, seemingly, they they recorded all his talks, whoever they was. Thank you, they. Because I still find things that I had uh, never heard before and that, uh, well, in many of these things, the bell gets rung for me, even though I might have heard it a number of times. So I just have to say about this, I mean, Ram Dass is, is, if nothing else, clear as a bell. And, uh, I mean, and this is all subjective, but there's nothing I can do about it. 
I mean, when I met him, I loved his honesty. I loved his insight. I loved his humor. I loved the love. I mean, what what more was there that I could have uh, wanted at that time uh, when I first heard the first talks? So this, so the way that we put this together, so what we wanted to do was really cover those very, very essential teachings that everyone identifies with Ram Dass, yet come up with, first of all, as I said, we have a lot of material in the archives, and we came up with many, many things that I had not uh, either heard or seen before. This is an eight-week course, and it's uh, approximately about an hour and a half of video and audio for each subject, alongside of a guide uh, contextual guide that Ramesh Radas, Ram, Ram Das's co-author, you know, uh, did for us, uh, and uh, transcriptions, and uh, and there's a big bonus video at the end that's current Ram Das uh, that uh, we'll talk about later on because it's a big surprise. So this course, what I want to do here is just basically give a little bit of a taste of each week to give you an idea of what this is. And again, um, so I'm just going to start chapter by chapter and I'll tell you what the chapters are and uh, just give you a little bit of a hint of uh, what's to come and then we'll just keep moving through it. Don't want to make a big, big deal out of this, but it is a big deal. Boy, Oh, and by the way, this was uh, uh, this is a partnership with Sounds True. Tammy Simon Sounds True. Many of you know Sounds True. All of our family of teachers, from Jack and Sharon and Joseph onward, and Krishna Das, they are also uh, have uh, different content on Sounds True, from books to to uh, music. Krishna Das's wonderful CD, Flow of Grace is on Sounds True. So this is all going through them. Thank God they're taking care of the part that is very difficult for us uh, to take care of, all the infrastructure that's necessary to run a course and and so on and so forth. So um, let's just go forward. And the first week, so is identifying with our true self, shifting our point of view. So it's identification and, and perspective, and uh, it's, it's something... We've been talking about um, mindfulness lately. I have been on my Mind Rolling podcast on the Be Here Now Network, which is where all of this is emanating, all the podcasts. And, uh, yeah, mindfulness and... And I've said uh, just uh, recently, uh, it's come to me that until we have that moment where we can see that we could have an identification with something other than our ego, senses, thinking mind, only then when we have that perspective can we even think of of doing anything with mindfulness, of of awareness, of practice or anything. So this first uh, talk from Ramdas is is around I, what I picked. It was totally around identification. And in this thing, he, there's a cute line. You're trying to find who is me and who is not me. 
And that's the first absolute uh, step onto the path is that self-inquiry and that search for who it is we truly are. And we find out through an ineffable experience or through a psychedelic or through a piece of music or whatever, we find out that there is that something else and then we want to chase it. And that process starts the... uh, the complete switch in where we identify ourselves. I mean, this whole thing uh, from beginning to end of these eight weeks is is really Ramdas helping get out of the head and into the heart. A large part of this is that. So here is uh, um, a little excerpt. So these are going to be little excerpts. Hopefully yeah, they'll make enough sense. Uh, and uh, from the first week around identification and perspective. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stop for a moment and think about something that you really need to get off your chest. It could be frustration with your job or a coworker. It could be fear or uncertainty about the future. It could be a secret that you've been hiding for years. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Speaking with a therapist on a regular basis is also a great way to improve your communication skills, learn to resolve conflict, increase your self-awareness and self-esteem, develop positive coping strategies, build stronger relationships, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, plus switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramdas. This year, last year it was two planes, any two. This year, I'm pushing three planes. (laughs) Out of the infinite variety of planes, I'm just pushing three. One is what we would call the ego plane, and that will include the physical, mental, and emotional body. Then we'll call the second one the soul plane, and that will include the way in which you are a somebody awareness. You're still somebody. You are an entity with unique karma. And the third plane is the plane of pure awareness, which is really not a plane, but we'll use the word planes now. We could use spheres, but we'll just use planes for fun. Don't think that planes mean the higher is better. They're just different from one another. So if I were to review our storyline thus far from let's say the soul's point of view, the middle level. 
I would say I had some business to do, which we will call karma, psychic DNA, some some ill-digested attachments, aversions, and attractions. And that karma led to the manifestation of me in a physical form. In other words, I took birth in an incarnation. And when I was born, I was still fully out there with my karma to run through, of course. But that karma involved a certain experience of socialization. And in that process, I knew ultimately of my separateness. I experienced my separateness from God or from all or from something. In other words, I began to get attached to the form in which I had manifested. I'm now speaking as a soul. Now, as I get sort of encrusted into a form, there is a kind of a moment of incredible fear when the form starts to solidify enough so there's a boundary, so there is a form and other. There is uh and other. You pinch your toe and you pinch the bedpost and they're different and you keep pinching and pinching and pinching and pinching and you're learning that's me and that's not me or something like that. Now we're going to go to part two, week two. And week two is around witnessing the incarnation and becoming awareness. So witness and awareness. And it's like, okay, suddenly we, we understand that now we can relate with, our, with a, more of who we truly are, true nature, and um, we can have a different vantage point from which we're seeing our incarnation. So then we, what Ramdas gives here is, is actual, some basic methodology, and it's really around mindfulness. And it's what he was talking about way back in the day, which was, he called it witness. And he uh, meant that in the way, there's some kind of problem I see with, with mindfulness uh, in, in some translations of it or understandings of it, where there's that self-awareness thing. I am doing this, I am doing that, and... It, the 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 vantage point from which that awareness is coming from can be off the mark, which is what why Ramdas talked about witnessing from the spiritual heart, where there's no judgment and much more compassion for oneself. So. This, uh, so I, I chose a little something here uh, from, from this particular, from chapter two, that's um, just around the witness and awareness and attachment. So let's uh, listen in here for a minute. How would it be possible to be in a human birth and still see what is true? You would have to extricate yourself from attachment to your desires. 
but as a separate entity, you have desires. You're part of a species that must reproduce, must survive. You have desires to survive, desires to reproduce. You have desires for security and stability, desires for pleasure. Does this mean you have to give up these desires? No. I didn't say that. The game is to extricate your awareness from attachment or identification to the desires. The desires go on. They're there. The only question is, you are no, the only point is, you are no longer an identity with those desires. And you say, well, I can't imagine how that could be. But you're doing it all the time. Very often, you are performing behavior that is satisfying various needs on your part, and yet your awareness is not caught in, in being the actor or being the getter of gratification, and yet you're doing it. For example, many of you drive cars, and I'll bet many of you find yourself hurtling through space, hopefully in a car, uh, <laughs> hurtling through space, uh, guiding three, 4,000 pounds of metal, making incredibly complex decisions about centrifugal and centripetal force and inertia and things like that, all kinds of complex physics laws. And all the time, you might be tuning the radio, looking for police, thinking about where you're going, remembering where you've been. You never even think about thinking about driving anymore. When you're new, you think about driving. And then it goes on what we call base brain. It's just sort of happening. It's a very complex behavior. Part three, week three, is... Uh, so at this point, uh, you've been given a way to actually have a perspective from a different vantage point and, and a way to understand mindfulness, basically. And then now it's a matter of purifying the mind and using meditation. Meditation means going within, bringing the mind to one point in order to quiet the cacophony of thoughts, emotions, and desires. So that... Uh, gives us a foundation. So I love the, prog the prog progression of this. This is the, the way uh, that uh, we all came to see that this was really essentially how Ramdas in his lectures, especially sometimes when he had a week of them in and there was a series of how there was a pro progression of really uh, understanding identity and perspective and all that and, and then being able to have some kind of way to uh, witness your incarnation, and then how do we deal with it from there in terms of meditation? I think it's it's quite good. So here is uh, Ramdas's talk, and it's around uh, methods. Just listen for a couple of minutes. What I'm suggesting to you is, don't try to hold on to the memory of this gathering. It's all lovely, but let it go now, because as you drive out of the yard, that's the next moment. And if you're busy remembering this one, you just blew the next trip. Okay. God is just where you are at the moment. It isn't, it isn't later or later or later or, la or then, okay? So don't get caught in the same trip that acid heads get into of remembering the big trip, okay? Because it's just another mind block. You're not in the moment. And if you've learned anything, it should be to be mindful in the moment. But it, is, it can be useful to have a, a kind of a daily regimen just to keep bringing you back into the moment, 
so you just don't get lost in your time binding, in holding on to your model of yourself over time. And when you do a regular meditative practice, it just keeps bringing you back to zero point, clears. It's like clearing a computer. It's like pushing the clear button, and it just erases all the junk for that moment. So, and the regularity is important, especially when you're bored and you don't want to do it, because that's the way the ego plays. The ego will do everything it can to keep you being just who you always were. The ego's preserving itself. And you are very slowly, slowly realizing who you are and just opening, just, just a little bit, just beginning that opening. When the opening is complete, then it will all be different. But now you're going up and down and you can use methods. Week four is now uh, we have this wonderful basis upon which we can tread the spiritual path, and now it's a matter of dealing with suffering and disturbing emotions. And this is the reality of life. Suffering, physical, emotional, and mental, is, is a reality of life. Thoughts, emotion, and sensations come up constantly to disturb the essential peace of the heart and mind. While we cannot avoid the difficult challenges of life, how we deal with and experience them can magnify or reduce their impact. Now, this is, of course, we would hope now that we have enough of a foundation through meditation, most especially, but, but as mindfulness and meditation, uh, to be able to warm up to suffering and make a little bit of friends with suffering. If you just take like the most simple thing, let's not get into, say something too far into suffering, which is like seems untenable to handle or deal with. Just if you even think of doing like recently, and, and this is really a dumb little thing, okay? Recently, I I love chai. I've been drinking chai and going to India. It's my favorite th thing. It's just to get up at six in the morning and go have chai in the mountains in India. I mean, that's, that, there isn't hardly anything else except for chanting, kirtan, that makes me feel like that. So uh, I had to give it up for health stuff. No more caffeine. And uh, it was now, it's, so it's an interesting thing about uh, this tiny little speck of suffering, at least not getting what I want, uh, and and I can see the relationship I have with that now is way different than it used to be, where it was like anger and, um, no, I'm not giving up, I don't care, you know, that kind of attitude. And there was a way in which it kind of got spacious in some, and this is, a t again, I keep reinf uh, reinforcing the idea that this is a very, as one would say, pishox kind of thing. It is a nothing, but it does inform. Try doing something that you like to do and just stop doing it. The, 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 make, make life a little bit harder by stopping to do things that are pleasure. Just take a couple of small things, right, whatever they be, maybe, and, and see that you can actually insert a kind of spaciousness into the thing, and you're not getting lost in, I'm not getting what I want, or this is too much pain. It's, it's interesting. So here's uh, Ramdas's uh, talk around suffering. Like for a long time, I would 
try to be holy all the time. And when something would get me down, like somebody would get me irritated, I would try to cover it. You know, because holy people don't get irritated. So I became what's known as a little phony holy. And then I began to see that the irritation was given to me as a gift from, to show me where I was still stuck. Did I want to be free or did I want to be high? If I wanted to be high, I wanted to push away the irritation. If I wanted to be free, I wanted to consume the irritation. Can you hear that at all? Now this gets a little heavy for a moment. When you are your personality, suffering is a drag. Yours and everybody else's. And you sit around questioning God, what the hell did you do here? Why is everybody suffering so much? You really blew it. It's certainly, if you designed this, what a mess. Who wants you? I mean, Job's predicament. If you've been able to stand back outside of it all and look and see the absolute exquisiteness of the law, not the rational law, but the, the Tao, the way of things. You've seen the law of things. And in order to do that, you have to stand back from the suffering and from the pleasure. See if I can find, I have a great filing system, as you can see, that's very advanced. You're in here somewhere, I'll get you. Plato said, see, it was worth it. This legitimizes me, you see. <laughs> Many of you never read Plato, but you'll believe it if I say Plato. <laughs> Plato said, listen to Ramdas, everything he says is true. <laughs> Plato said, to know God is to know the laws, and to feel the goodness of the laws is to praise God. You just see the exquisite articulateness of all of it, how everything is related to everything else lawfully. Week five. Cultivating love and compassion. Well, uh, of course, in, in Ram Dass's tradition, in our tradition, it's certainly bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of devotion. So that love of the, is the emotion of merging, of becoming one. And then compassion is being with another, suffering, experience, experiencing our outer relatedness in the most direct way by opening our hearts to one another. By the way, I'm reading some of these intros because... They seem to be pretty succinct, which I think I wrote them. So, got to be okay. Love. Uh, so, the, the emotion of merging, of becoming one, and, and that's what bhakti yoga is, is the subject and object becoming one. You're using that duality to merge, and love is, is the uh, medium by which you do that. And, and then, of course, when we talk about making friends and getting spacious with suffering uh, from the last week, we talk about once we can do that, then uh, developing a little bit un of unconditional love, then compassion is a natural outflow from that. And that means you can really have compassion first for your own suffering and then, of course, for other people. So cultivating this uh, is uh, it's what His Holiness the Dalai Lama talks more about than almost anything, kindness and, and compassion. And, 
And of course, many of you know that we have these wonderful retreats in, in Maui and where uh, Sharon Salzberg, one of the other teachers that does come and, and works with Ramdas, and the, the merging of their loving awareness and loving kindness from the Buddhist uh, aspect teaching is uh, quite a wonderful thing to behold. So there, there is, this to me is, an e- is, I mean, they're all essential, and it's a beautiful uh, continuum that's developed here, but this per- week in particular is uh, absolutely key for us in terms of this very interconnect- interconnected world. So here's Ramdas uh, talking about compassion in particular. A compassion is a quality of being in relationship to um, others, compassion uh, with them in their uh, the intensity of their lives. It's a, an appreciation of their lives. It's um, the way we are usually using it. It has to do with the suffering of others and a, um, a kindliness and a gentleness and a, an empathy and a going outward to another person. But it's actually, a spiritually, a more uh, profound issue than that. I've been working for a long time with the phrase, uh, out of emptiness arises compassion. Because most of the time when we think of compassion, we think of empathy. We think of suffering, seeing suffering, and then something happens in us and we want to do something about it. And we go out and we, f- we are concerned and feel for other people's suffering and we want to do something about it. But the, um, the kinds of compassion that... Um, that one looks at from a spiritual point of view are is the kind of compassion that is in which those qualities are balanced with uh, it, with the appreciation of the um, the planes of reality that lie behind what is apparent or what is obvious so it it compassion involves a certain kind of attention or a certain kind of a paradox for example, um, when you respond from your human heart's point of view to another person's suffering, when you see them suffering, when you see um, a Guatemalan widow, or you see uh, a family lost in crack, or you see uh, uh, any number of uh, conditions that, well, the Chinese students, or, uh, or uh, the, what happened to the people around Chernobyl, or something like that, you experience incredible pain in your heart when your heart is open. I mean, the, the most many people just respond with their intellect. They pull when they get in the presence of suffering, they can't handle it, so they pull back into their intellect and they they deal with it intellectually. But if you keep your heart open, it hurts like hell. It really hurts because, um, especially when you started to appreciate that they're us, that they're not just them. When you can't intellectually push them away. Uh, but then there's another level of reality in which, um, and this is a much harder one to, for people to hear, in which there is um, uh, an unfolding of karma for those individuals in which their suffering is their route through to awakening, one way or another, long-term though it may be. And uh, in that sense, you look at the universe as a set of unfolding laws and you see that there are no errors on that plane. You see the perfection of it. 
so that you're faced with the paradox that on one level of reality the suffering stinks and on the other level it's perfect. And to me, compassion is the ability to embrace both of those simultaneously. Week six, relationships in the spiritual path. And Ramdas has done a lot of work around relationships. And uh, one of his key teachings is around the triangle, which to me is absolutely the only way that one can hang in uh, to a, a, relation, a relationship that will last and, and have profundity in that it, it's accepting change rather than resisting change and it's allowing spacious context between the two people. And it's around this, uh, his concept is around the triangle, that there's uh, each person on one end and the third spoke, so to speak, would be the guru or God, or any representation of the divine. And once you have that, of course, that, uh, that becomes the priority, things can really change. So it, uh, this, uh, in particular, this one's directly about that, called Human Relationships. Here's a little excerpt. When I look at relationships, um, my own and others, um, I see a wide range of reasons for people to be together and ways in which they are together. And I see ways in which relationship, which means something that exists between two, two or more people, um, for the most part reinforces people's separateness as, as individual entities. And it doesn't just honor it, it treats it as the reality of it. When um, I perform, or I used to perform, I don't anymore, but I used to perform weddings. I was a marry, I had a license for a while. It was revoked by the temple here at Hanuman Temple Park. <laughs> his was too. <laughs> we used to be able to perform weddings. and. Um, I do a lot under the table. Um, but the image I always have when I'm performing a wedding is the image of a triangle in which there is the, the two partners and then there is this third force, this third being that emerges out of the interaction of these two. And the, the third one is the one that is um, the shared awareness that lies behind the two of them. And that the two people in the yoga of relationship come together in order to find that shared awareness that exists behind them in order to then dance as two so that the two-ness brings them into one and the oneness dances as two. And that, that's a, a kind of a vibrating relationship between the one and the two. So that people are both separate and yet they are not separate. Week seven is around karma yoga. And of course, that is also a very important aspect of Ram Dass's essential teachings over these years. 
around selfless service. And he was, of course, very involved with uh, SEVA. was one major organization that he had a lot to do with and helped found and all, saving blindness around the world. Uh, so there's that level of it. And then there's the other level of what it is that you do day to day becomes a source for your freedom. As you do that, you are working towards everybody's freedom. And so there's there's that combination of external and internal relationship to what uh, karma yoga is. Transform everyday work and activity into spiritual practice is karma yoga, uh, often expressed through seva or selfless service. So so this is, uh, there's, uh, I got a little excerpt here, it's directly about karma yoga. And uh, ultimately, he says, we bring our lives into harmony by surrendering the fruits of our actions to God. And that's probably the key with any karma yoga. Unless we can straighten our own hearts out, we c- how can we do anything to help anybody? I have for a long time had a, um, a love-hate relationship with uh, karma yoga, which is also called the path of action. The hate part of it, or the aversion part of it, was that I... Um, once I saw the lay of the land of all the different yogas, I was very attracted to the more um, esoteric yogas, the ones where I'd be given secrets, mantras, and initiations, where um, I would be given special practices, where I would go to caves and do holy things. And I was very attracted to Buddhism because it had a lot of that and uh, a lot of various mystic traditions. And then also I was very attracted to um, Hatha Yoga for some years because I loved playing with the energies of the body and the spirit. And also, as I told you yesterday, because I had somewhat of an aversion to the physical, psychological, social plane, I really was not attracted to a form of yoga that would involve me so much with the world around me. But I was faced with the dilemma that when I had asked my guru, Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, how do I get enlightened? He would say, feed people. And when I'd say, and I'd think, well, probably something got lost in the translation. I'll try again. I mean, you don't go all the way to India and make journeys and deal with amoebic dysentery and all to be told to feed people. I mean, that's hardly secret teaching. So I tried again. I'd say, how can I know God? And he'd say, serve people. And the second time I met him, he said, "Um, do you know Gandhi? And I said, yeah. He said he was a great being. He said, you be like Gandhi. I said, well, I'd like to be. Okay. And he, he... hit me on the head, so I've got these glasses, but it's not helping too much. (laughs) Week eight, the last week, is around love and death, appropriately. And uh, again, this is major work from the old days that Ram Dass has done, like with uh, Kubler-Ross and the work he did with Stephen Levine and Dale Borglum. And uh, he's been, 
that has been an essential part of his teachings. And um, not only that, but he, of course, worked and still does work with people who are very ill or transitioning and so on. Our ego fears annihilation because of the identification with our body. Living in faith that we are truly a soul helps transform fear. The grief of losing a loved one yields to the certainty certainty that though bodies pass away, love does not die. If we live fully in the present moment, death is just another moment. I suspect that when the loss of the form of your husband burns its way through and you deal with the desolation and the grief and the sense of separateness and you can quiet down just a bit and just sit with it, you will start to feel in your heart, if you can listen very carefully, a very deep and profound loving connection that is very living. It's not just a memory, but that's a living truth. And that will start to nurture you. My guru, who is the closest being that I've ever had in my life, closer than my parents or any lover, left his body in 1973. And this is now 16 years later. And he is the closest being in my life. And he is a living truth that I live with every day. And the fact that he isn't in his form just makes me understand him in ways much more profoundly than I ever would have had he remained in his form. His form was something I could keep at a distance. The love that finally we meet in is something that is, is inside each other. And then the trueness of the love we tasted. And when you loved somebody enough to miss them, you touch them in a way in which that was the true conscious love. But we got so attached to our senses and thoughts about a person as object that we get the hysteria when we lose them, that we feel we've lost something. And then when we quiet down, we realize that it's just moved to a new level of richness of being together. And this is the first uh, full circle of this eight-week course, it's if we live fully in this present moment. And so I think that's why I love the sequence from the first to the eighth week. First, obviously, understanding that there can be a be here now and then how to tread that path to become it and then relate with the world through relationships and karma yoga and compassion and love and so on. So it's, um, it's very rich and I'm really happy that we're, this is actually here. As I said, it took a long time to curate because there's so many miles and miles of Ram Dass's, uh, work. I mean, it's just uh, terabytes and terabytes because we've got it mostly digitized. I think maybe 90 odd percent at this point. And I mean, I mean, I found stuff like you'll. There's two videos in in this. They're grainy black and white videos from Naropa in 1974 when Ramdas went there to teach for a month 
under the auspices of the creation of the Naropa Institute in Boulder with Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. It's like this incredible historic moment. And these, uh, the videos, and you can hear and see perfectly, by the way. The camera work gets a little strange at times, but it is fantastic. You see actually Joseph Goldstein and Jack Kornfield and Krishnadas and others in their youth, shall we say. I mean, it's a long time ago. And the and the the talks from him at that time were just outstanding, just outstanding. All right, that's enough of a peekaboo at uh, being here now, an online odyssey into the essential teachings of Ramdas and where to go is go to ramdas.org and there will be a banner right at the top that will give you a link over to Sounds True uh, to um, register for the course. So again, I'm, I'm happy this is happening now, but I'm even more happy to be honest that this will be available going on beyond uh, anyone's lifetime here. So thank you again for listening and Thank you for coming to the Be Here Now Network.com, where you can find Ramdas and Krishnadas and Jack Sharon, Joseph, Lama, everybody, Danny, me on Mind Rolling. And we uh, are also thankful that we're, we're really starting to see some nice support because uh, there's a lot of work in the background going on to create all of this stuff, not to mention for the teachers themselves. So we do appreciate the continuation of your support. Uh, go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and we will see you next week on Ramdas Here and Now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do you need to get off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, develop positive coping skills, and much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramdas.